you would please be opening your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 2. We're going to notice verses 1 through 5. Hebrews 2, 1 through 5. The writer says, Therefore we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. For if the word spoken by angels was steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord, and was confirmed unto us by them that heard Him? God also bearing them witness, both with signs and wonders, and with diverse miracles, and gifts of the Holy Ghost according to His own will. For unto the angels hath He not put in subjection the world to come, whereof we speak. The writer of Hebrews admonished his readers to not neglect the great salvation that had been presented to them by Christ. He talked of the word spoken by angels delivered to the hand of Abraham on Mount Sinai. But, as we look at this passage, we get down to verse 5 and it talks about the world to come. Exactly what is the writer indicating when he makes that statement. What we want to do is look at passages like these and give us an opportunity to try to determine as we reason through them exactly what is he talking about. It's there for a reason. This passage has been misused often and we're going to notice that in just a moment. So exactly what is the world to come? Well, there are three prominent views in the world on what this statement means. The first is that it is a preview of the millennial kingdom that will come when Christ returns and establishes His throne in literal Jerusalem for 1,000 years. This view teaches that Jesus is superior to the angels because He will be ruling over them at that time. Now the problem with this doctrine is it assumes what it has never proven and what it must prove. If this is correct, that Christ will establish a physical kingdom on this world. But there are a few things that we understand. When we look at the account of Jesus standing before Pilate recorded in John 18, especially focusing on verse 36, Jesus told him, My kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight. So his kingdom is not of this world. So I don't believe that this is at all what the, uh, what the, the writer is speaking about. In addition to that, we know that the kingdom was established on the day of Pentecost. Acts chapter 1, verse 8, and then the whole of chapter 2. The establishment of the church. And we know the church and the kingdom, the body, are all synonymous with each other. We know that because when we read Colossians 1 verse 3, Paul and the Colossian brethren had been translated into the kingdom out of darkness. Even to add to that, when we begin to read the Revelation, as John was given the Revelation and as he was recording it, uh, Revelation 1 verse 7, he said that he was at that time in the kingdom. So the writer of Hebrews cannot be talking about the kingdom that Christ would establish at some point in the future because He had already established His kingdom. He must be talking about something else. 
Well, the second view is that the world to come is heaven itself. And when we read the Revelation, we read about a new heaven and a new earth, a figurative statement that does point to heaven because that's where uh, John was looking. He was looking right into heaven uh, in a figurative way in this uh, revelation he was given. But is he talking about heaven? No doubt the book of Hebrews talks about throughout the rest that we're going to receive in heaven. And we understand that Abraham searched for a city whose foundations were not made by the hands of men, but were in fact laid by God. Hebrews 11 verse 10. And we know that we all long, and all those who came before us, long for a better country. And a God did prepare a city for us. We read that in Hebrews 11 verse 16. Now the problem with this uh, reasoning is that when the end comes, Christ will again humble Himself and hand over rule to the Father. We know that in 1 Corinthians 15. We read that in verses 25 and 26. But the basis for this text in Hebrews is that Christ is superior because He does rule and is ruling right now while the angels are not ruling. But the Father will rule in the end when He hands over the kingdom. Okay, so let's look at the words used here for just a moment. The Greek word world, as it is used in this passage, means the inhabited earth. The same word used in Matthew 24, verse 14, where it talks about the gospel being preached to the world, the inhabited earth. Also the same word used in Romans 10, verse 18, where their sound went into all the earth and their words unto the ends of the world, an inhabited world. Now could this phrase the world to come, have a earthly, have an earthly application to it? Now just because it may have an earthly application does not mean we endorse this idea of premillennialism. Let's notice something. The writer had been discussing the Old Testament law, hadn't he? He'd been discussing the Old Testament system. That system which was delivered by angels on Mount Sinai to Moses. We read that in Hebrews 2.2. 2. However, a new system had been ushered in. Not one where angels brought the Word of God, but where Christ brought the Word of God. A greater system. A perfect system. One founded in Christ Himself. Verse 3 of our passage. Now to understand the meaning of a passage, sometimes we have to understand what it can't be, right? We have to understand what is not taught, what is not there. Here's the first thing that is not found in our passage. A premillennial earthly kingdom that will happen for 1,000 years. Where is that in our passage? It's not there, is it? Second, the heavenly world beyond this physical world is not mentioned. The home of heaven, the place where God resides, the place where we will be eternally, is not mentioned in this passage. Outside of the fact that the Old Testament system was delivered by heavenly beings that came from heaven. Beyond that, heaven is not even mentioned in this passage. Now the writer does speak of a new order though, doesn't he? 
He speaks of a new order where Christ is the overseer, Christ is the authority, and He has given authority to His twelve apostles. Now, in what system did that happen? It must be the Christian age, this new world to come. Of course, now we have to remember, the writer is writing from the perspective of those who had received the law by the hands of angels. Okay, He's writing as if it were history at that time, right? So he's saying, from that perspective, we have received this system, but there is a new world to come. For us, the world has come. This new world is present. It's the Christian age, right? The new world to come, a system where Christ is the authority, a system where the apostles have been placed in authority by Christ, and one of which we follow them. Can't be talking about a premillennial 1,000 year reign upon the earth, not mentioned in this text. The home in heaven, not mentioned in this text at all. But a new system. We're talking about laws within the context, right? The first delivered by the hand of angels, the second delivered by Christ. So people will use this and they'll say, oh, there you go, there's a premillennial. That's the millennial reign. Well, it doesn't talk about a millennial reign. Let's focus on the facts at hand. The facts that state what the subject matter is. We're talking about a system of law. The one is old, the one coming is new. Written from the perspective of those in the past that it would come. At the time of the writing, it had already come. It's just like when Peter said Christ preached to those in prison, those spirits in bondage, right? 1 Peter 3, I believe about verse 20. At the time of the preaching, they were being preached to by Noah. At the time of the writing, they had died and gone into the Hadean realm. That's why those spirits were in prison. So we have to understand the perspective from which it is being written. The world to come is the New Testament age, the Christian age, the one in which we live now. And we understand if we're going to be a part of that, we have to obey the gospel system of faith, and we know what that is. We're... We're Christians. We understand. We need to be able to tell people and remind them that it is a plan of faith, repentance, confession, and immersion in water for the forgiveness of sins. But we also have to be reminded that in this world that was to come during the time of the old law, that is here with us now, that if we step outside the light of Christ, that we can come back to it. We can come back, and that's one of the things that the new law offered. It offered more than just a law, though it is a law. It also offered grace. It offered a way to get rid of sin permanently, those sins we've committed. And so we do that by repentance and confession. If you stand in need to answer this invitation, if you need to come back, let that be known as we stand and as we sing.